This is the Outlap F1 Podcast, featuring America's own John, James, Andy, and Deanna. Your one-stop shop for Formula One news, insights, race previews, and reviews. Join us on the Outlap! What is up, Outlap F1 Nation? We are on the precipice of the 2024 season. Welcome on in. This is going to be season six. This is episode number three of the Outlap F1 podcast. It's our 2024 Bahrain and overall season preview. Uh, You've got Andy, and I'm along with my wonderful co-host, as always, Mr. Cody. It's good to see you. It's been a couple weeks since we've done one of these, but we've I think we've worked out all of the kinks. I, at least I hope we have, uh, and I hope we're sounding up pretty good. Uh, so how's it been, and how you doing? Uh, it's been great, and I am very psyched up for this season because I've I've seen it all so far, man. I've gotten the testing. I've gotten uh, all Drive to Survive in, and all that's left is to get a real race weekend in, and I, I can't wait. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've had enough of my appetizers. The test is always like that that appetizer where, like, you think you know what the meal is going to be like, but you don't really know, so you're kind of still anticipating. <laughs> um, and, and with Drive to Survive coming out, uh, it always is a slick-looking production regardless of how they do it. So, you know, I'm trying to remember back from last, you know, last season and going, oh, I kind of remember where we were when this was going on and what were we talking about then and there. So that's always good. And like I said, those are just like little morsels, little appetizers. But the season is here uh, and it's going to come at us fast and furious. Now we have the most races on offer uh, ever attempted in an F1 season. And we are going to do our best to try to cover all of that. Um, so uh, if you found our show, welcome along as David Croft won't be doing all the races this year, but he will be doing all but I think three. Um would say you can find our show still on Twitter or X, however, whatever they're calling that Instagram. We are there. Discord. We are there. Uh, Reddit. We are there. And of course, YouTube at Outlap F1 podcast is the handle. Uh, if you like what you're watching, if we happen to be on YouTube right now, or you like what you're listening to uh, do us a solid, click the like and subscribe button. If you're on YouTube or, or click the five star button on your favorite podcasting app, uh, specifically Apple podcast or Spotify All that does help us come a little bit better or come up a little bit better in search results, helps us get our content to you that much quicker. Uh, You can email the show, chat now at outlapf1.com. We'll take you there. Uh, The website is still down. I'm still working on it, uh, trying to get that resuscitated. I'm trying to give it CPR. It will be www.outlapf1.com once I can do that. Uh, Outlap F1 Nation continues to step up as always. Thank you so much to our continued monetary supporters, Dean Warwick, Yuri Dolchester, Paul Weaver, Quentin Warden, Kevin Kelly, Regan Stanzik, Timothy Brown, and of course, Jonathan Scott. If you'd like to become a member of the hashtag Outlap F1 Nation, we're trying to build it as much as we can. Uh, you can see our anchor page. It's in our show notes. Dollar, uh, $5. All goes back into the show. All goes into making the show better, investing in new equipment, uh, working out the kinks on the equipment we already have sometimes even sometimes the challenge, but uh, it all goes into trying to make us a little bit better and we're doing that for you. Uh, So you can see our link again in our show notes for that. And just a final message, the good folks at Anscaped, our code is still good. You can use it 
O-U-T-L-A-P, that is Outlap, all one word, gets you 20% off and free shipping from their fabulous line of product there. All right. Well, where should we dive in? Uh, we've had the test. Uh, I think I watched 20 of maybe the 24 hours, uh, oh only taking cat naps here and there. Uh, proof that I don't sleep very well some nights, I think is really the answer. Um, but, you know, I was, it's exciting. But, uh, you know, to finally see the cars break cover, see actual cars, not just renderings, not just virtual renderings, not just cars looking a certain way in a spotlight. And you couldn't really hide anything. But uh, so my notes kind of overall from the three days and each day was a little bit different. But for the most part, I thought everybody ran for the most part pretty reliably. Uh, lots of laps getting turned by pretty much just about everybody. But, oh, man, when you start about looking at competitive order, holy freaking Red Bull. Oh, my gosh, did they just look um, – that car just looks sick. It looks like they've taken this, the zero side pod concept that Mercedes tried and, oh, well, here it is and here's how it works. That car just looks easy to drive, especially on day one with Max Verstappen. You saw the look of, there's the shot of the engineer right when Max does is not even a full push lap, but a half push lap. And he's just got that Cheshire cat grin on his face. <laughs> oh my God. Um, are we just writing off this season already? Or do you think there's still a little bit of a chink in the armor there somewhere? I don't think anyone else has a chance. I think... Red Bull, <laughs> I think Red Bull's got this in the bag. I thought Red Bull had it in the bag at the end of last season for this year because they were just so dominant. And I figured they were just going to continue on developing that same concept to perfection. And maybe the gap would close a little bit and we wouldn't see Max winning like, you know, 19 of the races. But I thought they would still be, uh, you know, pretty dominant. What I wasn't expecting is for their car to look significantly different than it did last year right as everyone else is copying last year's concept and trying to narrow in on that they go for something completely different and even the drivers were kind of like whoa what are we uh what's going on here this is uh this is a lot different than we were expecting and uh it turns out at least from testing that it looks like they've uh they've got it nailed because max verstappen was uh, particularly pleased with how testing went uh, from what I've seen in interviews, he pretty much said that the car did everything that he wanted it to do, uh, which means he can stick it anywhere he wants on the track. And uh, when Max can do that, I think it's going to be no competition. Yeah, uh, you know, you, when you see a lot of purple mini sectors in the middle of a test, when you're like five, four hours plus into a, a session, and all of a sudden now he's setting the purple mini sector times and it's just purple, 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 purple. Yeah, that doesn't bode well. I got a funny feeling we're going to see a lot of that. Um, that having been said, you still have to run the races. You still have 24 of them to run. Um, but they are definitely the the money favorite uh, coming out of the test. Uh, they were they, they hit the, the pocket aces out of the test. Um, you didn't know what that new concept was going to look like. You thought maybe, especially on day one, it looked like he was struggling a little bit, but whatever they did, they adjusted it between session one and session two on the first day. And in that second day under the lights, um, they fixed whatever seemed to be ailing that car and they really haven't looked back since. You know, kind of interesting, Sergio Perez didn't really have the great test like Max did. 
you have to think that car is very much Max uh, centric. Um, so that could be something to watch. So it, it's not so much, I don't think, beating Red Bull as a team as much as it's going to be trying to beat Max because uh, that dude's just been a machine. He's been Thanos. He's been inevitable. Uh, uh, and I, it, it, I hate to say before we even have turned a wheel in anger here, uh, this may be a long one if we're looking for him not to win. We may be hoping for some reliability issues or something like that to creep up because I don't know who's beating him flat out straight yet. But we will have to see. Uh, so kind of the next one down on the pecking order, but also who had a very good test, uh, were the Ferraris. I thought they came out of the box looking very strong. Um, car looked pretty good, looked stable, different runs. They did managed to get the the top times on the last two days, but they were on a softer compound attire than the Red Bull set their times on. So, you know, that could definitely have something to do with it. But uh, it looks like, and from just interviews and stuff that I've watched about it, they seem pretty happy with their car, at least going into the first couple races. So they may be that, you know, best of all the rest. Uh, the only question that I have we haven't seen a race, so we haven't seen a strategy call yet, because that's the only thing that I think really hinders them, uh, is if they start to screw themselves over on strategy like sometimes they are apt to do. Um, but at least, uh, you know, in terms of the practices and what I think is going to be the qualifying pecking order, they look pretty good. They do look really good, and they were saying that uh, some of the issues that they were having with, uh, like, tire degradation and uh, inconsistency with uh, the car's performance on the track, uh, a lot of that has been improved on. So it's it's a lot more consistent. They can uh, better push the car now, uh, which I think will really help them, uh, especially on like the one lap pace type stuff. I think we'll see a lot more uh, Ferrari pole positions coming through. If not, you know, hope hopefully some race wins here. Um, it would be really nice to see Carlos Sainz uh, get another, uh, you know, win or two before he leaves Ferrari and goes to, God, who knows where, but you know, <laughs> this is his best chance. I think right now, to, no matter where he's going to go next, unless he's going to Red Bull somehow. Uh, I think this is his, you know, you know, I hate to say it, his last chance to get some wins before, uh, you know, maybe he goes to soon to be Audi and, and at the end of the decade, they've, they've got some, uh, some car for him to maybe get wins again if he, if he goes there. But I think right now he's got to squeeze him in while he can. And, uh, yeah, Charles Leclerc, uh, is awesome. And I think if, if the car is there that he'll, he'll be competing right up at the front with max. Um, it's just, the car has to be good enough to stack up against Red Bull. And even if their car is significantly better than last year, is that good enough to keep up? Yeah. I mean, it seems like the consensus Delta that I've read across the board, it seems like it's three tenths a lap, um, which doesn't sound as bad, uh, as it certainly looked after that first day of testing. But, um, over the course of a race, you know, 30 laps, that's, you know, 10, 12 seconds. Um, that's hard to overcome. So, you know, we'll have to see kind of what it looks like. It's, I'm actually really interested to see free practice two tomorrow with the, the long runs, you yeah. know, after the qualifying sims. Because I actually think most of these teams, the top five, I think are going to be really close on ultimate pace. And I think it's going to come down to how do the tires work? who can do what on the long run pace, because as we saw last year, there were teams that could stay with Red Bull for a portion of a tire run. Mm -hmm. It was just over the course of that run, 
Red Bull would just pull away because they could be consistent longer. And I think that's where Ferrari, McLaren, Mercedes, Aston all have to try to aspire to get to. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll have to see. But I think Ferrari, a slight bit in front of the next glob, and I'm going to say the glob because I think this is where your fight is going to be, especially early. And that's three teams, and I don't know how you pick them. Mercedes, McLaren, and Aston Martin all seem to be really darn close. They're all happy with kind of their base setup. Mercedes has done the pivot. Uh, they look, James Allison looked significantly happier than it was this time last year. Feedback from Russell and Hamilton has said that it seemed like they've cured the underlying ill that was the last two iterations of Mercedes cars. So they're happy. Um, you know, McLaren hit the ground actually not running, but at least they were walking in their test this year. Um, so it was much a much better test for them. They did have some reliability issues, but I'm not too concerned about it because why? Um, they weren't the same problem. Like the last couple of years, it was that front brake problem. It was constantly overheating. They could not figure out and they had to jury rig a solution just to get the car to go back out. This one, one, one day it was a fuel pump problem, which a couple teams have had, and that's endemic to these engines. Sometimes the fuel pumps go bad. And another day, I think it was some, it was something unrelated to that, but it was, you know, sometimes a floor change here or there keeps you in the garage a couple hours, and then you're not out for a while. And everybody wonders where the heck you are. So the big thing was day three, Lando Norris didn't get his race simulation in. Oscar Piastri did. Um, so... Yeah, I thought overall they had a decent test. Aston Martin look fairly confident. Their their big step or their big development is usually at the start of the season. They don't necessarily tend to bring huge development throughout the season. Um, and it's going to be interesting, the dynamic, I think, between Aston Martin and McLaren, because I think Aston will start out with a slight edge. And I think over the course of the season, McLaren may catch and pass them. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be... It's looking like another slow-ish start from McLaren. Not nearly as slow as last year. Um, but um, actually, I don't really think I saw a whole lot of Aston Martins running or really even heard a whole lot about it. But I figure they were so great out of the box uh, last year that they can't have fallen back too far. I would figure they, they still got to be within that glob, as you call it. Um, but yeah, it sounds like everyone is much happier with their cars this year. Even, I mean, even Red Bull, but, uh, but definitely Ferrari, uh, Mercedes, uh, McLaren, definitely much happier with, uh, where their cars are at compared to a year ago. Um, yeah, Aston Martin is the only one that I'm not really in, entirely sure on. Um, but I think they're going to still be in that top five for sure. And even like, uh, like the V carb car, uh, everyone was saying that they were going to perform better now that they're, using more parts and kind of go more of that, uh, that Red Bull design way as much as they can. And uh, it, it does look like that that car has significantly upped its performance um, compared to last year too. And it, the car was already starting to look better at the end of last year. Um, and you were starting to get more, more consistent performances out of uh, Ricardo and Sonoda, but I think they're going to be in that position uh, from the start of this season, which will be really good for them. Yeah, I mean, I've got in my notes here, I've got V-Carb, Sauber, and Williams in the next kind of glob, you know, the, you know, six, seven, eight, and you can kind of pick them. I think it's going to be very circuit-specific between all of them, um, with basically then Haas and Alpine 
and again, you can flip flop the order any way you want. Um, I think those Alpine have admitted they expect to kind of struggle. They had a whole lot of optimism coming into the season. They completely changed what they said on their their launch, every aspect of the car. <coughs> Excuse me, and it didn't look like it cooked very well. Um, Haas had admitted that they were going to be pretty much at the back in the first couple races. They were very reliable. They did manage to pound through a lot of laps. And mm-hmm. report actually came out today that they think they've finally solved their endemic tire problem. So, I mean, now they can finally start to bring performance to that car. And we'll have to see if, if that order shakes up at all. That would be awesome because it really stinks when it's like you can count on one team to be well at the back. And uh, I feel like Haas is perennially there. Um, I'd love for them to to get a little better performance because, you know, they've got decent drivers uh, who I'm sure would love to, uh, to get more points finishes. And uh, Alpine is the big surprise that they, they look so poor. And I really feel bad for, for Gasly and Ocon because they're both young, hungry, like really talented drivers. Um, you know, they, they made a big point of it and drive to survive that uh, it's that you got the, the perfect French team, you know, French team, French drivers, it, it works out really well for uh, publicity, but uh it's not going to work out super great if they're hanging out at the back all the time. And American investors who aren't used to watching, who don't have a lot of patience. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the dynamic there is going to be very, very interesting. You know, if you watch Drive to Survive, you watch the episode where they finally boot Otmar, uh, who looked like they never let him do his job. Um, and I feel like they kind of did him kind of dirty, especially in the middle of the season. It just didn't feel right at the time to me. Uh, and it just kind of gets exasperated by when I watched it back, especially through the DTS lens. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, this is a team that everything should cook. It just isn't. And I can't, I can't figure out why. Um, and that it, it's just a, a giant, giant confusion for me as to why they struggle so much. Um, and they don't have another team to, to, compare their engine to. So it could be engine, it could be arrow, it could be any number of different things. You can't tell. That's really the problem is because they don't have another team. They don't have anybody else to, any other resources to tap to try to figure anything out. And they just keep seeming like they churn through personnel and until they eventually find the right one, I don't see that getting any better anytime soon. So uh, yeah, (laughs) I guess we'll just kind of leave those there. Maybe they proved me wrong halfway through the year. But uh, anyway, that's kind of the the recap of the tests and kind of where we saw kind of the initial pecking order, uh, at least through that. And we'll we'll have to see when we actually get to the racing and get to qualifying. That may change a little bit. Uh, But the other big story uh, came out today. We've been following the Christian Horner investigation by the Red Bull GBMH company. Uh, They have ruled, however they have, uh, that uh, Christian Horner is in the clear. Uh, he's been cleared of any potential wrongdoing by the company. He will now resume his uh, post as team principal. He expects to be on the pit wall. I think he was actually on a flight after hearing the news back to Bahrain today. Uh, he won't be at the team principal's presser tomorrow, but I do expect him to be on the pit wall, and he probably will be available to the media to talk about it, I'm sure, in front of a giant media scrum uh, at some point over the weekend as these stories are apt to do. 
Uh, are Cody, are we surprised? Um, there wasn't a whole lot of detail that was given about exactly what they investigated and really what the accusation was. There's a lot of speculation out there in the world, but a lot of rumor, not a lot of fact. Yeah, I, that's how I felt about it is that there wasn't really enough clear information coming through in the media to say with confidence one way or the other, whether he was going to get canned or not. Um, you know, it's seeped through in the media that it was related to, you know, possible inappropriate, uh, conduct, uh, with, you know, a female member of the team, I believe. And, you know, that's, that type of stuff is, is, you know, really bad. You, you, any, any company that you work for, you get accused of something like that and it's going to be taken, I would hope very, very seriously. And it looks like they did take it seriously, um, enough to, you know, launch a formal investigation by the team into it to see what actually happened and, you know, if those allegations held any water. Um, but they've, they've decided uh, that Christian Horner, Horner is in the clear and I, you know, hope and assume that they did their due diligence and they, they looked into it reasonably. So uh, he, I mean, he's got to be feeling really good about, good about it. Um, and he seemed, uh, you know, he, he was present at a lot of the the Red Bull functions, he was there at the car launch and everything. He seemed to be he didn't really talk about it much um, because he said it was under investigation and that that was the end of it. Um, but he seemed pretty confident that uh, he was going to end up in the clear. So, you know, I, I guess you got to have some faith in the process and that everything went to the way that it was supposed to go. Um, I don't now that he's in the clear, who knows how much detail we're actually going to get about it. I would think they would just want to, at this point, now that he's in the clear, just kind of move on. Yeah, I mean, and that's probably the only thing that they're going to do. I mean, at this point, um, it it, it kind of just sucks that when it kind of leaks like this, like this is to me something that should have been handled regardless of the accusation behind closed doors um, because nobody wins in this. Uh, if it did happen, you know, there's a victim out there that now is not being believed. And that is wrong. If it didn't happen, what can Christian Horner do or say to actually clear his name in the minds of a lot of people? So he can't win in this. Red Bull can't win in this. The accuser has a perspective on this that isn't necessarily even being really talked about. So nobody wins in a situation like this. So to me, I mean, I, I do work in some in some capacity as our HR person, and you got to take that stuff really seriously. You do, and but the other thing is you have to kind of keep it kind of locked down to respect privacy because it's such a sensitive matter. And you know, I you know, you you read social media and everybody's just kind of drawing their own conclusions on it. Does it feel like that sometimes they, they just get away with whatever they want to do? I can I can follow that perspective, but I also know. He's got a right to defend himself as well. Um, I don't know. I don't have an opinion on, you know, do I think he did it or do I not? I was waiting for some fact and I don't think we're ever going to get that. So it's unfortunate that this all kind of came out the way that it did. Uh, and I wish kind of everybody the best as, as we all try to move on from it because there really wasn't anything. There's nothing for me to glob on to say, yep, that was absolutely the wrong decision or nope, that's absolutely the right decision. I have no idea what those hundred pages say. Uh, so, and until those ever find the light of day, not that I even necessarily want them to, um, I think that's just kind of where we're going to leave it. 
All right. So the last kind of story before we actually dig into our first Grand Prix weekend of the season, Toto Wolf has come out and said that it was the fear of losing the prize, prized pupil in Kimi Antonelli that led to the Lewis Hamilton contract being only two years in length. And then, of course, as we all know, Lewis Hamilton opted out of that second year and will switch to Ferrari. Uh, Cody, uh, is this an own goal by Toto? I mean, you got to hope that Kimi, uh, you got to hope Kimi Antonelli is as good as advertised because uh, I think that just ramped up a whole lot of pressure on this kid. It definitely does. And, you know, the saying is, uh, what is it? I can't even remember. One in some of our birds in the bush. Anyway, um, <laughs> one in the hand, two in the bush. Or yeah, something like there you go. Um, yeah. You got you got Lewis Hamilton, seven time champion. You know, one of the greatest there's ever been, if not the greatest. And you got to match your team. You've had him there for a long time. He's been very successful, so you know what he's got, and that is a lot. And yes, it's true. He is getting older. He is, you know, probably in the twilight of his career at this point. Uh, you know, but we've seen that drivers can continue, you know, quite a long time. I mean, look at Fernando Alonso, the guy's, you know, in his forties, he's very competitive. Yep. Um, and so I, I think that Lewis has what it takes to be a, a very high performing driver, uh, for many years to come. And I have to imagine that what they're looking at though, is that how many more years are they going to get out of him? And they have to really start looking towards the future and deciding who's going to, you know, take that seat again, uh, alongside George Russell. You know, George Russell's a young guy, very talented, uh, probably going to be there for the long haul, and they're looking for someone else uh, to take that seat in that capacity alongside him. And yes, Kimi uh, Andre, yeah, is it Andrea Kimi? Kimi Andrea Antonelli. He's very talented in the junior series, um, so much so that uh, they saw fit to have him skip. Uh, Formula Three, go straight to Formula Two, uh, where you know I hope that he's going to find a lot of success. Uh, it's very exciting to see you know another very talented young prospect, but nah, he is hasn't even raced in Formula Two yet. So how much <laughs> how much do we really know? He's he might be yeah. he might run into some roadblocks here, and he might need a few more years to figure it out. You never know if he, you know he might never figure it out. I think with how much talent we've seen out of him, he probably will. Um, but it might not be immediate. And because of that, now you've, you're losing out on uh, the last, you know, several uh, years out of Lewis Hamilton, where he's going to be very competitive and he's going to your main rival in the championship right now, who you just barely outscored last season. It looks like they've got a really good car this year. So they'll probably have, pretty good car for him next year is going to be against you now. So I, I guess in a way we can say thank you to Toto because now we get to see <laughs> Lewis Hamilton at Ferrari, which is just I never thought it would happen. It's going to be really cool. Um, but yeah, I would say a little bit of an own goal. Yeah. I mean, I tend to agree. I mean, it, it feels like you're, you're cutting off your nose to save your face type of situation. Um, to me, if, if I'm going to let Lewis Hamilton decide when he's done, I think he is honest enough. I think he is figured himself out enough to be honest with himself and to tell Toto Wolff or anybody else, 
I and if he tells Toto Wolf, I still think I have something, and Toto Wolf for whatever reason didn't believe him. Ah, it's just it, 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 it's something I never thought I would ever hear myself say. Like Toto Wolf didn't believe Lewis Hamilton when he said that he was committed and had enough. He doesn't even um, have to believe him. The statistics statistics are there. He he beat Russell quite handily right. last year. Like he still got it. He finished third in the championship yeah. behind the Red Bulls. Exactly. Exactly. Like it's it's not even a it's not even an opinion. It's it's it was a it's a legitimate fact that he's still fast and he's still really really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and still probably elite. Um, even at the age that he's at. And we're going to find out, you know, in the next, obviously this year, we're definitely going to find out next year, you know, where this is going to go. But I, I feel if you're Kimi Antonelli and you read this, hopefully he's not reading it because like all that guy should want to go out and do is learn his craft and go out and race and be relaxed and, feel the flow of, a, of trying to get around an F2 car, which is not an easy thing. Have you seen the rear wings? Those don't look exactly inviting, um, you know, and, and how that's all going to go. And now the the pressure on this poor kid just got ramped up a lot. And pressure does one of two things. It either turns you into a diamond or it crushes you. Uh, and we're going to find out, unfortunately, really, really fast about the the value of one Kimi Antonelli. Yeah, we, um, we put so much faith in you that we lost the greatest driver ever, possibly. Like, yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be like crushing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like I said, I hope he doesn't read that story um, because I would want I don't want to see anybody, you know, fail when you know they could have a great career in front of them. But uh, it definitely will make my F two viewing a lot more interesting. I will be following it a lot more closely this year. Uh, as we see kind of what uh, what all transpires there. But yeah, interesting admission on the first weekend of the season. Mm-hmm. All right. One more thing before we actually do get into our track facts. And actually, we'll take a little break before we do that. Um, Drive to Survive Season 6. You said you were able to watch all of them. I've watched all but I think the last two. Uh, so, Cody, you know, what are your kind of overarching thoughts on Drive to Survive is season six any better or any worse than any of the other years? And then I'll chime in with mine. I, so I, I've watched, I think this is the third season of drive to survive that I've watched. I think I watched the first one I watched was the one that followed the 2021 season, because like, why wouldn't you? It was the greatest season that I've ever seen. Um, but I would say it's my least favorite season that I've seen. Um, it definitely has its moments. Like it's, great to see you know the cars on the track uh and you know really you know high definition and you get to hear a little bit more about uh the driver radio that you don't see on the broadcast um and it is cool to see uh the drivers off the track um and the teams off the track and see kind of what goes on uh you know in the background but there's still some things i don't like about it like it's always been highly dramatized um it's always been curated in such a way that uh, it adds to the drama and it's not necessarily exactly what happened um, or in the exact order that things happened. I would say with this season too, there was a lot more um, about like, uh, like team principles and, and their roles. And there was a lot of things that changed. You know, you had Fred Rasur, uh go to Ferrari. You had Otmar, uh, Zaffnauer get canned uh, literally in the middle of a race weekend. Um, 
there, but I feel like there was a little too much of that. Like there was two episodes like dedicated to Alpine and like the not getting along between Gasly and Ocon and all of the, the, the discourse with the, you know, higher up people in Alpine and that eventually led to Safnauer getting, uh, losing his job. And yeah, I think there was a little too much of that. There was also a very, very noticeable absence of really anything Red Bull, which I found to be kind of disturbing because like they're the talk of the season, you know, Max got 19 wins, Red Bull won all but one race, like extremely dominant. And of course you got Christian Horner. He's, he's always in there. I think he loves being in front of the camera. Um, <laughs> but there was barely any screen time for Verstappen or Perez, um, barely any mention of their dominance. And it felt very strange that you got all these other stories that are being focused on, like, you know, Ferrari versus Mercedes, Aston Martin coming out of the gate. And like, yeah, those were definitely very interesting, great stories. But I feel like you're kind of like, you're ignoring the elephant in the room here. And that, that felt a little jarring to me. Yeah. I mean, I I think I've talked about this probably every time I look at drive to survive. I mean, from a slick production standpoint, it's amazing. Um, UHD or 4k HD or whatever maximum resolution you can get it in is the best way to watch it because the cars sound better. They look more clear than you're ever going to see. The only way you can get clear is to literally be on the, on the, the, the wall there recording them. Um, you can't get a whole lot closer really. Um, and it's interesting. It's interesting to hear some of the, the extra audio and stuff that um, you don't necessarily pick up in other places. That being said, they get very, very creative about uh, when they're dipping that audio in. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that irks me is I have never heard a team radio where there's an engineer talking to a driver on the first lap. They're all shutting the hell up, letting the drivers do what they do. And they'll come back to the driver on lap two or three or whatever once they kind of get that initial part settled. Um, no, The one that actually made me actually almost do a spit take was when, when Lando takes the lead at the British Grand Prix and they in, insert a, yeah, baby. And I'm like, there's no way he said that right nope. then. And I, he, he didn't say it right then. Like, he only says that at, like, the very end of a race. Mm-hmm. And, like, believe it or not, most of the communication is all very business until the end. Yep. Um, so you got to understand that. And, and, look, if they wanted to do it to build a story, I understand it. Fine. You know, it's it's fine. Like, me as a hardcore, maybe I get a little offended. But, you know, if it brings more people into it, I'm, I'm cool with that. Um I do okay, think ahead. that they, uh, one, one last complaint that I have is I feel like now I understand that a lot of people who watch drive to survive are not super hardcore formula one fans like me and you that said, I feel like they've gone to extreme lengths to dumb it down almost to the point where you've got Will Buxton saying stuff along, almost like. If the cars don't go fast, you're not going to win the race. And it's like he's saying stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, no shit. Like people can figure that out. Like you don't have to say that. But they did that so much throughout the season. And it was it was like a little cringy at times. 
Yeah, and and Will probably has owned that I think over the course of his career. <laughs> you know, there's the there's the one meme of like if the driver wins this race, he'll get the most points. Like, ooh, that needed to be stated apparently. Mm. <laughs> Cuz we you didn't know say. that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Like to me it 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 hasn't changed. I don't know that this season was particularly revealing other than some of the, maybe the background meetings that in the McLaren episode between Zach and the sponsors, interested to know exactly when that was. Was it right after the test? Um, was Because the other thing that wasn't mentioned was they were saying right after that test that we had upgrades in the pipeline, they're just not here. There was no mention of that during that. So interesting as to maybe like, is that test day three when, you know, all of a sudden they had a plan and it didn't go to plan and then they had to shift from it. And maybe that's when a sponsor comes up and says, hey, Zach, what the F is going on here? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was interesting. You know, the the Alpine episode, it's interesting to see kind of who the higher ups really are and who's actually kind of running that show. Because that's part of the question that I think I overall had was with Alpine is who the heck is really in charge over there? Because they don't seem to want to know. Um and I thought that, yeah, I mean, the same thoughts that I had about Otmar getting fired in the middle of the season, yeah, that renewed them for me. So there, there's a lot, there's a lot of good, there's a lot of eh, and there's some that just kind of annoys the crap out of me. But it is what it is. It's the same kind of thing. But it's out. You can watch it. I will finally watch the last couple episodes over the course. Probably, I'll probably catch up. Uh, since we don't have a race on Sunday, I'll probably catch up on it Sunday uh, and probably finish it off. But uh, yeah, it's out. Check it out if you are so inclined. All right, so we're going to take a quick break. We will come back. We'll drop our green flag. We'll get into our Bahrain track facts. Uh, We'll do our Choose Your Champion predictions, and we'll give you kind of a where to watch your F1 and then kind of a quickie where we think the constructors are going to be and who the top 10 drivers who we think are going to be, and then we'll come back to it at the end of the season and see how wrong we really were. (laughs) All right, so uh, stand by and come on back. We'll be right back, and we'll get into it. You are listening to the Outlap F1 podcast, and we'll be right back after this quick pit stop. Grab your flu powder, broomstick, or apparate to your favorite audio streaming service to join the discussion on Hogwarts, a podcast, where Dan and his friends have in-depth chapter-by-chapter breakdowns of each Harry Potter novel. Join the group as they dive into the magical world and discuss plot points, analyze character development, and occasionally go off the rails. Whether you're a muggle who's new to the series or a pure-blood wizard who won't need a remember-all, Hogwarts, a podcast, brings everyone to the Great Hall for a magical discussion. Hogwarts, a podcast. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in. This is season six. This is episode three of the Outlap F1 podcast. It's our 2024 Bahrain Grand Prix race preview, as well as the season preview. Uh, and you've got Andy and I'm along with uh, Cody tonight. And we're going to drop our green flag and get into the Bahrain track facts brought to us by the good folks at Pirelli Motorsports. So, Cody, tell us about the Secure Circuit. All right. So this year we are actually celebrating the 20th anniversary of running the uh, Bahrain Grand Prix. Uh, track is located in Secure Bahrain. A number of laps around the circuit for the Grand Prix is 57, and the uh, track length is 5.412 kilometers. That's 3.362 miles. 
anything of 15 turns. Uh, tire selection for this race is the C1 for hard, C2 for medium, and C3 for soft. And the track characteristics from Pirelli are a 4 out of 5 for traction, 4 out of 5 for asphalt grip, 5 out of 5 for asphalt abrasion, 4 out of 5 for track evolution, 3 out of 5 for tire stress, 4 out of 5 for braking, 3 out of 5 for asphalt grip, uh, oops, yeah, then. Uh, 3 out of 5 for lateral load, and 3 out of 5 for downforce. Um, qualifying lap record at this track goes to Lewis Hamilton, set in 2020, and that is a 1 minute 27.264 seconds, while the race lap record has stood the test of time. That was set back in 2005 by Pedro De La Rosa with a 1 minute 31.447 second time, and we may see that uh, record get broken in possibly the next couple seasons. Uh, most wins at this track goes to Lewis Hamilton with five wins, uh, followed by Sebastian Vettel with four, Fernando Alonso with three, and Felipe Massa with two, while the most constructor wins goes to Ferrari with seven, followed by Mercedes with six, Red Bull with three, and Renault with two. Uh, what is the circuit like, Andy? All right, so you can usually expect great racing and decent amounts of overtaking in Bahrain, while the drivers have to contend with wind, racing under the floodlights, and the difficulty of finding a decent setup with the wide temperature fluctuations between sessions. The track's most challenging point is the tight downhill, off-camber, turn 10, left-hander, while the fast run through turn 12 is another highlight, allowing the racers to really feel their cars coming alive. As for the weather, uh, should be a bit cooler than uh, we saw during the tests. So for qualifying, a clear and sunny in the daylight, high of 69 uh, degrees Fahrenheit, dropping to 60, winds out of the northwest at 10 to 15, so a little bit gusty there, a scant 1% chance of rain. And for the race, a mostly clear sky after a high of 69, dropping to 61, winds will be a little bit light, lighter for the race, which is, uh, should help the cars out a little bit, winds out of the southeast at 4 miles per hour, a 0% chance of rain for the race on Sunday. So, uh, we will just hop straight into our predictions. And I can cue that up if I can find that. Let's see if it actually switches. Hey. Oh, look at that. Woohoo! Good to be back. Functioning soundboard. It's time for the Choose Your Champion Predictions Game 2024 edition. Uh, we're pretty much going to keep a lot of the same rules like we did last year because we found that it worked okay. All right. So we will start, as we are apt to do, with the pole sitter, the 2023 time. I have to update all these to say 23 now. That just feels weird. Uh, was a Max Verstappen on pole with a 129.708. Uh, anybody other than Max here, Cody? Uh, I don't think we're, I think we're in lockstep here. Yeah. I mean, with the first race of the season, you've only got testing to go off of. So it's an educated shot in the dark, I guess. But based on how well they did, uh, they seem to do in testing and being that he is the defending champ by significant margin. Got to go with Max this time. Yeah, I wanted to have half a mind to say, you know, put a Charles Leclerc in there because I think it will. Be, I think actually the qualifying will probably be the tightest, uh, will be a little bit more tight. 
Uh, I do think the Ferrari is strong, especially over the one lap. Um, but I don't know that it's going to get to Max. Uh, I got a funny feeling Max is just going to do. We're finally going to see that car unleashed, and we're going to see if there is a gap, how big that gap is, at least around Bahrain. And that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to put an asterisk around this track and the test and say, you know who's going to be good here. We don't know who's going to be good good in other places. But here I'm going to go with Max Verstappen. Uh, I can't see anybody else taking it, at least at this point. So I've got Max on the pole. All right. So for our uh, qualifying pole lap time, uh, last year, as we said, was a 129.708. We going any faster than that? Cody, what you got? I do got us going a little faster than that. Everyone seems to be developing these cars very well, making them uh, much much more consistent and uh, easier to drive. So I'm going eh, ballpark about a half second faster than last year's time. So I'm going with a one minute, 29.289 seconds. All right. Very good. Uh, I'm also going faster than last year. Uh, I do think that these cars in general, if everybody's liking them better, everybody can push a little bit harder, uh, go a little bit faster. That is what I think is what we're going to see. Uh, so I've got a 129, a little bit quicker than you, 129.010, almost uh, into the 128s, but I don't think we're going to quite get there. But that's what I'm going with for my pole lap time. All right, so shifting gears and moving into the race on Saturday. Can't say the race on Sunday. I have to say the race <laughs> on Saturday. Uh, so who do we have on the podium here? Uh, I'll go first. Um, can't take it away from Max yet. So I think Max is going to be on the podium in P1. I do think that Ferrari is quick, and I do think Charles Leclerc is going to give Sergio Perez a good fight and maybe some fits here. Um, so I've got uh, Leclerc coming in in P2, and but I do think that Red Bull is just the class of the field, and I do think Sergio Perez will put up a heck of a fight, but I do think he will come home in P3. My podium prediction is very similar to yours. I do have Max Verstappen winning the race um, based on the fact that they brought home the one, two last year. I am going to put Sergio Perez in P2 and Leclerc in P3. All right. Very good. All right. So we move into that fastest lap in the driver. The 2023 time was Zhao Gran. You actually had the fastest lap with a 133.996. Uh, I'm going to go with Max Verstappen to take that fastest lap. I think it's especially like that last pit stop. He's going to come on out. He's going to throw down the marker and say, come find it. And I don't know that anybody's going to be able to do that. Um, I do do not think we're going to break Pedro De La Rosa's record this season. I think that's coming maybe next season. Uh, but I got Max Verstappen, 133.589, the fastest lap and driver. Uh, Cody, what's your thought? Uh, I also have Max Verstappen uh, taking the fastest lap. I think he's going to want to uh, make a point that no one is going to catch him this year. Um, and I've got the time a little slower than yours, uh, 1 minute 33.887 seconds. So I suppose that that means that I also don't think uh, Pedro De La Rosa's uh, record is going to be broken. And honestly, it's kind of a fun record, so I hope it sticks around for a while. <laughs> um, I give it until... Mm, maybe a, a year or two into the next set of regulations because those cars are supposed to be a little smaller and lighter, which I think yeah. might get us to a little bit quicker lap times uh, to finally finally take that one down. 
or the track has to be resurfaced. And as long as the track continues to have the same surface, I think that record is safe because I don't think any of these tires, regardless of what Pirelli is going to put out there, is, are going to last long enough to get you that lap because I think three quarters of the way through the lap, I think your tires are already starting to hurt, especially if you're trying to push. And if you're trying to push in the race, you're going to back off. Your natural instinct is going to be, okay, I know I have tires. I've gotten my purple sectors in. I can see my delta on my steering wheel, and I'm fine. Why do I have to, you know, flat out in those last couple of corners there? So that's why I think they're going to actually, like, it will probably be on through the first two sectors, and then that third sector, I think they'll back off on it a little bit. Hmm. But uh, anyway, we will move into our bonus picks, and we've gone with P8, P9, and P10. So the uh, bottom of the points always where a lot of the fun is. Uh, we had some fun when we were trying to put these together, um, talking back and forth. But uh, Cody, what you got for P8, P9, and P10? So I really hope I'm wrong for P8, but I, I don't think the Aston Martin is going to be quite as much there at the start of the season as it was last year. So I've got Fernando Alonso coming in P8, still getting decent points, but I think uh, there's a lot of cars that, are going to be potentially better than the Aston Martin out of the gate here. Um, I've got Daniel Ricardo in P9 and Yuki Tsunoda in P10. So uh, I think there's going to be some uh, some pretty decent points, at least at the bottom of the top 10 for uh, the V-Carb car. i got to get used to calling it that. Yeah, I, that's kind of what I'm going to go with because I, I don't want to call them racing bulls. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I just it, it doesn't roll. So V Carb it is, and I'm not. I don't want to give the the sponsor name as part of the team. Uh, that's just not how we roll. But they can. The official entry is what it is. We all know that, and that's fine. Uh, I'm going to go. I do think the V Carb car will come out of the blocks pretty good here. Uh, I'm not so sure about how it's going to look at other places, but I think here it can probably uh, stand up. So Daniel Ricardo P8. Lance Stroll for Aston Martin, I think, in P9. I think Fernando Alonso will be a little bit higher up. I think that is kind of just where they are. Job Grand U is going to be kind of my upset. <clears throat> Stake Sauber, hopefully coming out of the blocks pretty good. They're a tough team to try to figure out because they have some glory runs in them and they put up some lap time, but they don't look particularly great on race pace. So uh, I'm hoping that Job Grand U can, can come on home for that. All right, um, so our prop bet for this race is going to be, because we always talk about testing, we talk about reliability, we said it was great across the board. Let's figure out who's not going to finish and why. So total DNFs for race one. Uh, Cody, what you got? I've got, I'm going with two DNFs for race one. I think these cars have been historically reliable. Uh, you don't really see unless it's Alpine, uh, a whole lot of equipment failure DNFs lately. So I think as long as we can get through the first lap or two without a big wreck, um, I think it's the first race of the year. So you're probably going to have some kind of equipment re related failures. So, but I don't think it's going to be much. So I'm going with two. All right. Um, I think somebody's going to bump into each other. I think that first lap, everybody's going to be supercharged. And I think you're going to see two or three there. And it may be two or three terminal there. I think once you kind of get settled in, I think you're right. I think we're going to kind of see a pecking order and it'll probably spread out a little bit. But interesting to see, you know, how the tire strategy plays out. 
you know, who's done doing maybe a two stop, who does maybe a three stop. I can't see this as a one stop race. So I do think there will be some intermixing of the grid. So I'm going to go with three uh, total DNFs because I do think somebody will clash with somebody else, especially early. All right. So before we head on out, uh, two last things to, to tackle. One is how and when to watch your F1 this weekend and note the different start times. Uh, and note these the days. We're only about, as we're recording this on Wednesday night, we're about seven hours away from free practice one. <laughs> hey, look at that. So free practice one, Thursday, 6.25 a.m. Eastern. You can find that in the U.S. on ESPN2. Uh, you can also find it as well on ESPN Plus and, of course, F1 TV. So um, those are kind of the caveats for all the sessions this year. But if you're looking for the broadcast, uh, you can find it on ESPN2. Uh, and then for FP2, Thursday, 9.55 a.m. Eastern, ESPN2, FP3. Friday, 7.25 a.m. Eastern, ESPN2, qualifying, which will happen on Friday morning as opposed to Saturday morning. 10.55 a.m. Eastern, ESPN2. As for the race itself on on Saturday, I almost said Sunday. I almost did it again. <laughs> um, the pre-show, Saturday, 8.30 a.m. Eastern, ESPN. And the race itself kicks off 9.55 a.m. Eastern, Saturday morning, ESPN. Uh, no cartoons for you on your Saturday morning, but tune into your F1 and get excited for this season. All right. So before we hop on out, we did want to give kind of an overall prediction as to where we think the order is. Uh, we're actually really, really close to agreeing with each other, which is kind of scary. Um, but we'll start with the constructors. Cody, I'll let you go first. So go from 10 to 1. What's your pecking order? All right. And yes, Andy is 100% right. We were actually cracking ourselves up doing our constructors uh, predictions here with how close they are. Um, I've got Haas coming in 10th uh, again, unfortunately. I don't think, I mean, it's nice to hear that they maybe think they're squaring away some of their tire deck problems, but I don't think they're going to do enough to pull them out of the bottom. Um, I've got Steak Sauber uh, coming in ninth. Kind of for the same reasons, think that they're getting better, but uh, the development against all the other teams um, has probably got a little bit to be desired. Um, eight, I've got Alpine. Uh, they do seem to be struggling a little bit based on testing. Um, I know the driver talent is there, but the car has to be there too. Uh, I think they're going to be uh, struggling, especially in the beginning of the season. Um, I've got Williams uh, up in seven. Uh, Alex Albon is awesome. And... I feel like he's probably going to be carrying the bulk of the points this year. I do hope Logan Sargent uh, is able to improve and account for more than just a solitary point this year. Uh, but I think they're going to be doing well. I've got uh, V-Carb moving all the way up to six. And Daniel Ricardo uh, making a name for himself again and trying to put himself back into that Red Bull seat. Um, Aston Martin, I think it's going to, I think, what is it, fall down to fifth? I don't actually remember exactly where they finished last year, but I, you've got Aston Martin in fifth. Uh, I do think they're going to be mostly carried by Fernando Alonso, uh, but who knows? Maybe Stroll will surprise me. Uh, I think this this was the little bit of the controversial bit. I've got Mercedes falling down to fourth, um, and I think while their car has been improved, according to the drivers, uh, McLaren looked really strong the second half of last year, and maybe they're not going to 
come out at the beginning of the season here uh, with that level of performance, but I do think McLaren is going to beat them out this year and come in third, uh, which I know would make Andy very happy. Um, the top two here are really just based on what we've seen in testing and what we saw last year. Uh, Ferrari, I've got as coming in second. They looked really good in testing. They've got two of the best uh, young drivers on the grid um, who are really hungry, uh, really wanting to prove themselves. And then number one, got to give it to Red Bull until we see otherwise. Um, even if Ser- Sergio Perez wasn't driving the second car, um, not 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 hating on Perez or anything, but literally Max could win the championship for Red Bull by himself. Um, and if the car is as good as we saw in testing, uh, I think he very well might do that. Yeah. So, I mean, <clears throat> I, I think we're, we're pretty well aligned here, but the way that I'm going to kind of break mine down is I think you have one clear front runner and then three different globs of three to maybe four teams in each glob. So at the back, you've got your glob of Haas, Steaksauber, Alpine, and Williams. Um, and it could be a matter of one or two races kind of determining who ultimately gets there. I'm going to put Haas in P10 because they got to show me before I can move them up. Uh, Sauber, I there, that's a project I can't figure out. Uh, it's definitely going to be an easy car to spot um, this year versus some other years. Um, but I, I, I don't know enough. I can't say enough to really move them up a whole lot higher. Um, Ferrari power, maybe that helps them out a little bit, but it hasn't in other years. So I think that's a team in transition until Audi comes in. Uh, and then there's some question in whether Audi's actually going to really come in or not, but, uh, that's for another episode. Uh, P8. Yeah. I, I wish I could put Alpine higher, uh, but I can't because I don't know who's really running the show. And then they redesigned the whole car and then it really didn't look like it cooked during the test. So, and they're already now starting to play down expectations. And that's a team that usually aspires to challenge up. Uh, and now they're looking down. So that didn't, that to me sends a lot of alarm bells for me as a fan. So they may really, really struggle early. Uh, P7, I'm given Williams. I know they didn't have the world's greatest of tests. Um, but I do think, you know, James Vowles has got that program pointed in a good direction. I do think Alex Albon is, is a legit talent. Um, it'd be interesting to see if he can play into the Mercedes go round, even though they're all saying he's not, um, we know he's not going back to Red Bull, uh, helmet Marcos already said that. And that didn't surprise me. Uh, but Williams will be, I think the one who will play the, you know, the fly in the normal pecking order. I think the first contender in that is Williams and then B carb, um, just because they are going to start out with that base of effectively an RB 19 base, uh, with some other components added on or differentiated from there. I love their team principal. I love Lauren Mink. He's going over to that minute to that team. Uh, he's going to do good things. I think they're now coming away with France tossed. If they were about development of other drivers now with Menkes, I think it's more about trying to win and trying to progress forward on their own. So it may take a year or two, but I think that's a team that's you're going to see on the, on the up in the next year or two uh, P five through three is going to be really, really tight. Um, I've got Aston Martin coming in at the end of that simply because I think they will start out strong and they'll fade a little bit back. I want to give McLaren P3 so bad. Um, But 
And I don't necessarily know that I believe in the totality of the Mercedes pivot. They did come out with that interesting thing on the front wing that got everybody's attention during testing. Their body language looks really good. I think that they are much happier with their car. I can't believe that that is a fully curated car that's ready to go across different tracks. I Again, I think that that is a team, Mercedes, who I'm going to give P3 to, will come out early and establish a lead. And then when McLaren kicks into their gear, when they bring those updates on like they're going to do, where do they fit in to that again? I think is going to be the question of this season. So I've got McLaren in P4 right now, Mercedes in P3. Ferrari, a half step clear, I think, of those that blob. Uh, kind of going to be kind of on their own. They may have some really lonely races early. That may be interesting to see. Um, but I think it's going to come down to have they fixed their strategy issues? We know they can build a fast car. That's never been the problem. The problem has been execution on race day. So I want to see what that can happen if they are fixing that. And you have the dynamic of Carlos Sainz, who has nothing to lose. So is he going to play a team game? I don't think so. I think he's going to be out for himself. Absolutely um, not. He wasn't and even does playing that, a team game that much before. <laughs> right. And, and does that somehow hinder them? So that, that may be the only thing that, like I said, I know they're going to be fast, and I know the performance will be generally there. Uh, execution on race day, that's my question mark for them. And then, of course, Thanos and Thanos Jr., the inevitable Red Bull racing in P1. Yikes. Oh, my, 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 my. Um, I just hope it's not as dominant as last year. I'm hoping that last year is such a statistical anomaly that it can't be repeated, but uh, somebody else doesn't step up and at least challenge them. They're just going to run away again. Uh, I hope I'm wrong about that. I really do, but uh, that's how I see it as of right now. Yeah, I think we're seeing the second coming of the first oh, three years of Mercedes dominance, yep. where it yep. was just three years of lights out, like nobody can catch them. I think that's really where we're at, and I really don't think it's going to change until 2026, but yeah, one can hope. And the only thing you had, even with when the Mercs were as dominant as they were, is you had at least a battle between the two of them. So, like, mm -hmm. there was always the potential, like, oh, well, maybe they take each other out and somebody else can come in and, you know, pick up the pieces. I don't see that happening. I don't, unless Sergio Perez changes the narrative in more ways than one and can come out, like, I've said it before, his first five races have to be the races of his life. He's got to drive the wheels off of that thing. Um, in these first five races, because otherwise, I think uh, the 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 chapter isn't closed. But Helmut Marco's got his finger on the book, and he's closing the the front cover of it really, really, I mean, really quickly. Even even if he does drive the best race of his life, the first five races, they're going to bring some upgrades to the car. Max is going to be like, okay, cool, and Perez is going to have a hard time driving the car, and right. that's going to be the end of it. <laughs> Could be. I mean, that is a that is a rational data backed answer. <laughs> that very well could be. Uh, I'm trying to type up this season here. If you haven't figured that out, but anyway, we're doing our best here. Um, so, uh, quick stab at the top ten drivers. You can go ten to one or one to ten. How do you want to do it? Uh, I'm going to go one to one to ten. I think okay. we've all. I think we've all come to the conclusion that. Max Verstappen is by far the favorite to win again this year. Um, so if you don't mind me taking the top 10 first, I've got uh, Max Verstappen, 
coming in P1 for for the season. Uh, that would be, what, four consecutive championships? Uh, be really something. I do think that Sergio Perez is going to do well enough to finish in P2 again. I do think it's going to be really, really close um, between him and, you know, the, probably the next five or six drivers after him. Um, and I think that Max is going to be so far clear of him that he probably will not be returning to the Red Bull seat after this season, which is a shame because I really like Perez. Um, and the fact that, uh, you know, Mexico has a representative uh, in Formula One is is really cool. Um, so I hope that he doesn't leave the sport. Um, I don't think he's going to be staying in that seat, though, beyond this year, even if he comes in P2, which is kind of crazy to say. Um, next, I've got uh, the Ferraris. I think they're going to be really good. Uh, I've got Leclerc coming in third, beating out Sainz in fourth. Um, I think we are going to see improvement uh, from McLaren. I don't think they're going to catch Ferrari, though, as we said, in the uh, constructors. So I've got Norris coming in P5. You know, Norris has been really good and really impressed me, uh, especially this last season. Once the car got better, he was, he, I think he got more P2s than anyone else uh, on the grid last year, which considering the car was awful for like the first third of the year to third to half, like that's really impressive. Um, and I think he's going to continue to impress. Um, uh, this one makes me a little sad, might be a little controversial, but I've got Hamilton sinking down to P6. And I don't think it's going to be on him. I think it's going to be just that this year it's going to be much more competitive in that glob. Um, and I don't know if the Mercedes is good enough to really stand out uh, above the rest. So I think Hamilton will will beat out his teammate and will overall do very well. But I don't think it's going to be good enough to be better than sixth. Um, I've got Piastri. Coming in seventh, uh, again, I think McLaren's going to be pretty good. I think Piastri is going to be really good. He's very talented. Um, I think, though, based on last year, he's got maybe another season or two to really, uh, you know, be one of those top contenders. Uh, but I do think he's going to perform very well. Um, eighth, I've got Russell. Uh, don't remember exactly where Russell finished last year, so I feel like eighth is probably pretty close uh, to where he finished last year. And again, I don't think it's all on him. Russell's really good, especially over uh, one lap. But I think uh, Hamilton is going to show him up one more time before he leaves. And I think that, again, the Mercedes is just not going to quite be there at all the tracks. And this is the one that really disappoints me, but I couldn't fit him in anywhere higher with, based on all the other logic I just gave. I've got Fernando Alonso down in P9. Now, I think there's going to be a few tracks and a few situations where Alonzo is really, really going to shine. I mean, come on, baby. Like I want to see that Monaco victory. That would be <laughs> the greatest thing. Um, but over the course of the full, what are we up to now? 24 races in the season. Yep. I don't think that Aston Martin is going to be there for all 24. Um, I'm not as confident in them starting off great this year. I do think that they still have to figure out those in-season upgrades uh, to keep the um, performance of the car improving. Um, I don't really, I think Aston Martin is, is really building up to be a, a great team. Um, but I honestly think that it's not going to be until the regulations change again, 
uh, that we're going to see them uh, possibly break into those top contenders. And then lastly, and this is me just really hoping um, against hope, I think that Daniel Ricardo will squeeze into that 10th spot in the top 10, which would really, I think, drive home the point that he's still got it and that he deserves to come back into that second Red Bull seat. All right. I like your top 10. I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, we're a little bit different in, in some areas here. Uh, I do have Max Verstappen in P1. Uh, it is his to lose, and I don't see – I don't see anything that says he's not as motivated as he ever was. You watch him drive in like sim races and stuff, and he's dominant there. The guy, you're going to look back and, and and I know he's a divisive figure for a lot of reasons, but you almost have to sit back and almost kind of understand that you're watching one of, you're watching like genius at work here type stuff with that guy in that car. Um so, yeah, Max Verstappen definitely going to probably take this championship again. In terms of everybody else after Max, uh, I do think Charles Leclerc is going to put in, hopefully, uh, hopefully he'll get a couple more race wins uh, and hopefully be able to distinguish himself amongst his peers and come home P2 because I think that that's kind of where I would like to see him. Uh, I do think Sergio Perez will not have a bad season, but I don't think he will have a great season. I do tend to you agree with you, Cody, that he probably will be out at the end of this season. Uh, but I've got him slotted in in P three uh, because if you can't if you can't drive this car to at least there, oy boy, you got problems. Um, and I, I'm glad you've got McLaren in front of Mercedes. I I can't see it until I see it. <laughs> um, so I've got Lewis Hamilton, who I think is the better of the two Mercedes drivers right now. Uh, just in front of Lando Norris, because I think Norris will be right. So four is Hamilton, five Norris. Carlos signs. I think he's going to have some more Ferrari hard luck hit him, especially now that he's kind of the, the you know, sitting on his own. I think he will have some amazing highs. I almost expect him to win another race this year, but I also think he's going to have the lows of not getting the preferred strategy and them kind of hanging him out to dry strategy-wise a couple of times. So it's going to be interesting to see how that dynamic plays out. P7, I've got George Russell. Solid driver, solid team. Think the team has got them their, their stuff kind of handled, but I don't see him being uber elite yet. Um, he's kind of in that class, like he's around Norris on talent. Give him the same car, maybe one day it's one, one day it's another type situation, but I don't know that he's got the whole package yet, so I'm going to give him P7. P8, this also pains me to put Fernando Alonso here, but I can't put him any higher because I don't see where Aston, unless they come out of the boxes and they're scoring podiums, where that falls in here. So I think they're going to be solid. They're going to be that sixth, seventh, eighth every week. They're going to be there. They're going to be in the conversation. Maybe they get a stray podium here or there, but I can't see a whole lot more than that right now. Um, P9, I am giving that to Oscar Piastri. I do think he has a little bit more development to do, particularly on race day. Qualifying-wise, I think he's going to give Lando fits, um, which is what I would love to see. And I would love to see some better race development, but I think it's over the course of the race and how does he manage the tires. And that may be something that the McLaren car, especially early, has a bit of a bugaboo about it. So that's why I don't know that he's going to be able to score as much 
but I, I I'm very bullish on him in the future. Um, I think he is worth every bit the uh, the hype that that he has. And for P10, uh, I would love to see Daniel Ricardo in there, but I think the reality is the other Aston Martin. He held on to it somehow last year after not scoring for like six weeks. So Lance Stroll probably, uh, you know, will show up with a, you know, odd podium and get way up there in the standings and then fall back down kind of as the season goes, because that's kind of what uh, the pattern has been. But I don't see him any higher than that. So that's our put it in a box. We'll put in those predictions. We'll look back on it uh, after Abu Dhabi and see how right or how wrong we really were. But now they're on paper, so at least I know where to find them. Uh, All right. Well, Cody, any final thoughts before we uh, head on out of here? Just that I'm really excited for Formula One to be back. Um, I am, because of the way the timing is going for this week uh, weekend, with the race being on Saturday and qualifying being on Friday, I am slightly disappointed because I looked at the time the qualifying is going to be on, which is what I'm the first part that I'm really excited for practice. Yeah. Practice is fun, but qualifying is where you start to actually prove yourself. And of course it's right in the middle of all my Friday morning meetings. So, Uh you know, if any, if any of my coworkers are watching and listening to this, I promise I won't be watching qualifying while we're in meetings. And (laughs) I'll just have to watch it later. This is Um, where I, I I will teach you where to place your phone so that you can't, (laughs) see it but all right so right now i'm looking at my phone can you tell that i'm looking at my phone um so far as i maybe you're looking at your keyboard or something yeah exactly or maybe i'm just going like this and looking down while i look my arm up or something like that uh shouldn't be giving away these secrets i guess but uh that may be what we end up doing. I will try my best to do a live tweet of the qualifying. I don't know how well that's going to come off. I may have to pull the plug on it, depending on what my job is doing on a Friday. Um, but anyway, watch our social media across the weekend. Any big developments, we'll obviously try to bring them to you as we learn them. And uh, we're going to be doing our uh, first official race review of the season. We're going to do this on Saturday. We're going to record it on Saturday. I don't know exactly when it'll drop. If I can make it drop Saturday, I will. Um, but, uh, yeah, look out for that. Uh, so yeah, it's exciting. We're going to be up and running and we got 24 of these bad boys to go do. Uh, so we're going to get into all that. Um, I am excited for this season, even if Max runs away with it again, I'm still going to be damn excited for the season because you know what? It's formula one baby. And I love it. So yeah, uh, we will uh, talk to you again on Saturday and until then may all your laps be fast. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Outlap F1 podcast. If you like what you heard, click that subscribe button and be sure to leave us a five-star review. If you want to connect with us outside of the show, check out our website at www.outlapf1.com. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Outlap F1 podcast or email us at chat now at outlapf1.com. As always, thank you so much for your support and we'll see you on the next one.